Hello, and welcome to True Horrors with Meg and Rachel. Every week we discuss a horror film and the true stories that inspired, influenced, or bear striking resemblance to them. Be warned for spoilers and adult themes. I'm Rachel. And I'm Meg. This is True Horrors. Hello! Why, hello. We came at this with very different energies. I know. <laughs> um, maybe it reflects the way we feel about this movie because I was very excited to inflict the boy upon you. How do you, how do you feel? I wish, I wish our listeners could see my face right now. (laughs) Um, One day there'll be vengeance, Rachel. One day it will be mine for this movie. That's fair. Um, I do also up top want to mention, like we have a general spoiler warning at, you know, in our intro. Um, but it extra applies here because we're going to be talking about the ending probably from jump because finding out no. <laughs> we're not, <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. We will talk about the ending, but I, I, I don't know if I can talk about the ending until we've talked about the elephant in the room, Rachel, which is the fact that she stays there when she just thinks it's a doll. <laughs> do you think she's paid Rachel how much her friend says that each week she gets more than her friend makes in a month she get and in cash like she's making crazy money well we also don't know how much that friend makes like you like where does she live you and I live in places with very different um standards of living what are they called yeah standards of living yeah standards of living I just am saying how much would it have to be for you Forget the spoiler ending. (laughs) Pretend that doesn't even exist. It's just a doll and you have to do all that stuff. How much would you have to be paid a week? I don't think there's an amount of money in the world that would keep me in that house. That's all I wanted to hear. Um, Continue. continue. But the thing is, I think knowing the ending going in makes this movie tolerable I think if I had gone in thinking that this was a movie about a woman taking care of a creepy possibly haunted doll like I never would have watched it but I went in knowing that it's a man living in the walls pretending to be a doll and it was so terrifying it's my biggest most irrational fear is that someone is living inside my walls or would ever live inside my walls um, the first time I watched this movie, after I was done, I was like puttering around, getting ready for bed, and I turned to my dog and I said, Huxley, you have to tell me if there's someone living inside our walls. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she didn't react because she doesn't. She's aloof. <laughs> She's very aloof. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend watching this movie in broad daylight, which I did the second time around. Um, I think... High noon is probably the best time to watch this movie because then you have all day to do stuff and forget about it and not dwell on and hopefully be done dwelling on it by the time you go to bed. See, but I think your reaction to this movie is because this movie was basically made for you. (laughs) If I wanted to make a movie that would just torment you, the only difference would be instead of a little boy, it would be a tiny clown. Yep. That's the only thing that would make it worse. And he would wear a time. He would wear a clown mask. Like mm-hmm. that's what he would wear, because that is. I was actually telling someone when I was telling them we were recording this episode. I said that is Rachel's 
biggest irrational fear, whereas mine is secretly being videotaped. Yeah. Which like, he is I, watching her. Like, there's something about being videotaped because it's like you have the multiple angles and the fact that you could be somewhere else entirely. Like, there's, I don't know if it's the Lifetime movies my sister and I watched <laughs> as a kid. But I've always had a fear that, like, there would just be hidden cameras all around mm -hmm. my apartment, just, like, in every angle. And that's my thing. So whenever that comes up in any show, which is a plot point in so much sci-fi, mm -hmm. that, like, I always get a little bit, like, tight in the chest because I'm, like, he was watching you the whole time. He was just, like, just watching you. Mm -hmm. And I say he, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I disagree I think if it had been a doll possessed with the spirit of a child, I might have been more on board. But I you don't do know. love creepy children. I do, and I do love ghosts. Mm -hmm. Like, I love a haunting. Like, I just, that's probably my favorite type of horror movie. I love a haunting. And then I kind of would have liked, it would have been the same movie and the child spirit still would have killed her ex-boyfriend. Mm -hmm. But then it would have been like able to go into the beyond or something. It still wouldn't have been a great movie. But it was hard for me because, and I don't know if it's because I already knew because you mm -hmm. told me that he was in the walls. But I was just sitting there and all my notes are just like, your dress is gone. Your yes. jewelry is gone. Like, that's a person. Like, mm -hmm. that's a person doing that. Like, they tried to give her a backstory that would make me understand why she's mm -hmm. staying there. But I kind of disagree because if I was hiding from someone, I would go to a very populated area, not a secluded area. But right. that's just that's just me. That That's fair. Um, I would like to. Actually, no, I, I'm going to piggyback off of that. Um, I really liked her backstory because I felt like it made her decisions make sense. Mm -hmm. So um, less the miscarriage part of it and more the uh, being on the run from an abusive ex, because I think you're going to be more willing to stay in a weird situation like that when you're desperate. She was making mm -hmm. a lot of money and for a time her ex did not know where she was. She yes. was safe because he was never going to find her there. Um, and then also the fact that she doesn't like pick up on all these red flags also makes sense because she's been living with red flags for so long that she doesn't see them anymore. That's such a good point. That's such so, a good point. See, I, it's funny because the part of her backstory that I connect, not connected with, but that I felt connected was the miscarriage because mm -hmm. that made sense to me as to why she felt a connection when she right. thought it was a ghost. Like right. that I totally bought. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. you've given her a backstory where she's lost a child. She thinks this is a child. I totally buy that. Right. It was leading up to that where I, she was clearly locked in the attic that mm -hmm. her clothes, her shoes I also don't know, again, if it's because I went into the movie knowing what was going to happen. I didn't feel like they did a lot to make you think it was a ghost. Yeah. I think that it was very much not a ghost as you're mm -hmm. watching it. Like, you can kind of tell the things that are happening are person-shaped. Right. Um, you know, and I, I feel like that's probably... Again, that's what made it so terrifying for me is like knowing mm -hmm. it was a person and someone who was like 
really controlling. Like he locked her in the attic so that she couldn't go on a date. Mm-hmm. Like that's terrifying. Also, side note, in movies, people's towels stay on with <laughs> no effort whatsoever. I just want to, like she was in that towel overnight and never once had to touch it. In contrast, I took a shower right before we started recording. I had to adjust that towel four times in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, it's just not realistic. Do you think it's one of those Velcro ones? Oh, maybe. I guess it is a rich family. Yeah. So they can probably afford that sweet, sweet Velcro towel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I, he is controlling like that list, Mm -hmm. which I know we're jumping around, but I want to talk about the parents. Yes. Um, I have a list of, of red flags. I wonder (laughs) how many of them you're going to highlight when you talk about the parents. Okay. Um, Go. So I I don't even know where, where I want to start. The first thing I just want to start with is when the father says to her, you're probably wondering how this started. It started very little than all at once. And I'm like, that's not Mm -hmm. enough information. How? That's, uh, that's, um, maybe no information actually. (laughs) But even knowing what he's truly talking about, I'm like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. How, how did that start? Because I understand that your son killed someone. So you faked his death. But where did the doll come from? Yes. Why did that become a thing? Why didn't you just never let anyone come in your house and he just lived there? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you? Because that's basically the setup they have anyway. And even when someone did come by, they could just hide him in the attic. Or in one of the rooms, because the only person who comes is the guy who drops off groceries. Exactly. So there's. That, that's why I think the idea of saying that this happened all at once I'm like, and, and like little by little, I'm like, I'm going to need more explanation than that. <laughs> um, but the fact that the mother is not weird about the shoes is just like, oh, they'll turn up. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for me to say what the red flags are with the parents because the only red flag is when they introduced you to a fucking doll as their child. That is, <laughs> that's all you need. That oh, is- for sure. But the the son being the doll aside, there are so many other red flags. Do it. Do it for me. So the fact that when she arrives, the family's not home. She shows up to an empty house. That's weird. Mm-hmm. That's weird as hell. Um, I Also the fact that they make her wear shoes in the house. Who wears shoes in the house? Mm -hmm. That's weird. I mean, that's not a real red flag. That's just a personal um, pet peeve of mine. (laughs) But yeah, her shoes get stolen. Like, and most of these red flags are just things that happen like in the first 24 hours that she's there. Like obviously as bigger and bigger things happen, she starts to realize there's something going on. Um, The parents call each other daddy and mommy. Yeah. That's a red That's flag. That's weird. <laughs> the fact that they can't keep nannies, which once she finds out the son is a doll, it makes sense they can't keep nannies. But they tell her that ahead of time. Like, you got to be worried. Like, when you show up to be a nanny and they're like, oh, our son just chases nannies away. I'm like, is it because he's Damien from The Omen? Like, why can't you hold on to nannies? There's something wrong with that kid. Um they have no neighbors. The windows are painted shut. They have no Wi-Fi, no cell service. And the parents immediately leave. Yeah. 
She shows up, and the next morning, they're like, all right, we're leaving. And they are real weird about it when they leave. And the mother hugs her and apologizes. Yes. Like, Mm -hmm. that was the ultimate moment where I was like, you leave when that happens. When she said, Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry, I was just like, that is chilling. Like, anytime anyone's about to leave you in a situation and then they leave on an apology, something bad either just happened or is about to happen. Yes. Um. Also, the dad says, it's so long since we've been anywhere. And need I remind you, they were not there when she arrived at the house. They were, they went somewhere yesterday. Um, these aren't red flags, but I want to talk about some of her behavior that's odd. Uh-huh. Um, the first would be the fact that, yes, the family's not home, but they say her employer says, we'll meet you in the parlor and she just wanders around the house picking things up I'm like you are tailor made for this situation because (laughs) I would be in the parlor because like that's where and see I thought it was weird she took her shoes off because yeah I wouldn't have taken my shoes off without asking the host first because some people are weird about shoes in the house and some people are really weird about like your naked feet which she was wearing socks but like the fact that she did it without asking anyone and then wandered around the house was so weird um Mm -hmm. and then she's always doing that though if I was in a situation where my dress and my necklace disappeared and then I opened up the door and the attic staircase was up I would not go up there hell no I would not especially not in the dead of night especially naked yes like in her mind, she knew he was coming, Malcolm. Mm-hmm. And so if I was scared, I would just be like, okay, I'm like getting dressed. I'm, you know, or I would run to the door. Yes. The fact that what she does is run to the, I just yes. find that to be such an odd decision. Mm-hmm. Especially um, because I think he took all of her clothes. Cause she goes back into her room and says, my clothes. Like, I think mm-hmm. they were all gone. Like you need to get out of that house, girl. Because he, yeah, because he took the dress, but in case I guess that wasn't enough, because he does eventually bring all her clothes back except the dress, because he has to put it on that terrifying mannequin. Well, I think he Um, takes all of her clothes so so that she can't leave. She can't get dressed. Yeah, that's what I was... Okay, I don't... You... Sorry, you cut out. I should have made you repeat it. Um, Oh, no problem. But... Also, that house is my dream house, minus the man in the walls. (laughs) It is really great. Do you think... Do you think if I bought it after this all happened that, you know, I could evict him or something? Do you think he owns the house now? That's a good, that's a good question. Not to jump fully to the end, but it was one of those endings that's meant to freak you out. But I was like, aren't they just going to call the cops? Right. Like this is a dead bird. Like, aren't they just going to call the cops and tell them what has happened? I guess not because there is a sequel coming out. So no, yeah, there's a sequel. Okay, how's he going to do this without his parents there to find him a nanny? I don't know, because I've definitely read, I should have reread it um, so that I could talk about it, but I, I don't know what the premise of the sequel is. I hope the premise is that that house was resold and he still lives in the walls. I think that's actually what I... it is, now that you say that. Right. I think that's what it's going to be. Because the unbelievable jumps in logic it would take. So it's like the police came, they figured out what happened, figured out he lived in the walls, but just didn't check all the walls. <laughs> like, I love that. I absolutely love that. There are also um, holes in the walls. He busted through so many walls. 
Yes. Like, there are at least three holes in the walls. I, I have a couple of other counts for you. Um, I have a surprise, it's a dream count, which is two. Oh my God, yeah. And then I have a Brahms lullaby count, which is five. Did I miss any? No. <laughs> um, this only happens once, but I think once is enough <laughs> where Malcolm reads her gum. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, are you supposed to be the love interest? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, that's an, it's got to be like a purely American thing because we're just so enamored with British accents. It's like you can do the dumbest things and people are still going to find you charming because you have that accent. Like, don't worry about it. The accent will do all the work for you. I was kind of hoping when she walked up to that portrait that at some point we would see human eyes in the eyes of the portrait <laughs> a la Scooby-Doo, but it didn't happen. Speaking of that portrait, that child very clearly has blonde hair. The yes. doll has black hair. And then yes. later pictures show him with black hair, which is not to say that you can't be born with blonde hair and have it darken because that does happen. I just think it's a really weird choice when you're making a movie to cast a blonde child and then a child with black hair and then an adult man with black hair. Maybe that portrait was just something the director already had lying around. <laughs> and so, it's a portrait of his family. Was it entirely necessary to show the taxi driver checking her out? I don't even remember that, like, but... That was the one of the first things we see is he's trying to look in his rearview mirror down her shirt while she's sleeping. And I was like, why is that shot necessary? We barely see this character. And it's like, are you trying to make sure we as an audience know she's attractive? Thank God we you don't... told me. I never would have figured it out. Yeah, I thought that was such an odd thing because it was like our first introduction to our heroine mm -hmm. too. And I was like, uh... super weird. I, I just have a bunch of times where I wrote down, I wonder how much they would have to pay me. <laughs> how much do you think? How much would they have to pay you? Okay, it's just a doll. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, the, no person lives in the right. walls. Just me alone, no Wi-Fi with this doll. At least 5000 a week. That seems fair. I would just be so bored. Well, it's because one of his rules is no guest. If you do think about the fact that they're just crazy and there isn't a person that's going to punish you, mm -hmm. I would just invite you. Right. That's fair. But then we would be bored. What would we do without Wi-Fi, Meg? I don't know. Um, could, do you think we could bring a hotspot? Ah, there we, there's no cell service either. Right. Dial up? Go no. old school? Hell no. <laughs> I lived that for most of my life. I'm not doing it again. I just feel like we're kind of getting into shining territory. Mm -hmm. um, but we do. She is able to call on that line. Also, I have to wonder if the parents in, in my scenario are coming back. I have to wonder in my own scenario <laughs> what would be happening. Wouldn't it just be weird if it just was a doll and the parents just never came back for the doll? <laughs> like, the entire movie's the same, except it is just a doll. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know how I feel about dolls, though. You know how I feel about things that look human but aren't. Also, why? I understand that she was still in contact with her best friend, even though she was hiding out. But why did a 10-year-old have her new yes! address? Yes. Oh, my God. 
what a bad choice. Because like I thought until that yeah. I, I can't be mad at the ten year old for giving up her address. Like he was obviously terrified. That's fair. But like he shouldn't have had that information to begin with. Which it seems like just a plot device of exactly what you're saying. That they didn't want you to be mad at the friend. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, oh, her kid does it. And I just thought to myself, why would he have access to that? That's Mm -hmm. such an odd thing. The reason she's in hiding is because of her extremely abusive boyfriend. And you expect a 10-year-old not to give up. Like, why would you put them in that position? It was such an odd choice, also considering the fact that he could have had friends in the police or friends in the whatever who were able to see she flew to England. And then, you know. Right. Like, there were ways to do it that didn't involve this Mm 10-year-old being forced to, like, stand tall. (laughs) One thing that I will say, like, I don't really know how I feel about this movie. Because, I mean, obviously, it's tailor-made for me and my fears. So, I like it. But I also just, like, I don't feel like any of the characters make, like, truly bad decisions. They make weird decisions. Like, I'm going to stay and take care of this doll. But as we've discussed, they've given her a backstory that kind of makes that make sense. But, like, you know, it's the hallmark of a bad horror film that the characters are just always making stupid decisions. Mm -hmm. And I don't really feel like they do in this. There are things that I would have done differently, but they're not bad decisions. They're not, like, apparently dangerous decisions, you know? Yeah, I think more is that every character seems to be operating under the script of a world we don't live in. Yes. So all their decisions match each other, Mm -hmm. but they all don't seem like decisions of anyone you know. And it's not even necessarily the decisions, because if it had been her sitting there being like, this is the craziest, dumbest thing ever, but I need the money. Mm -hmm. I think I would have understood that more if they'd hammered that more. Right. That she... I felt like there were times where she didn't understand how weird this was. Yeah. Or was like, I don't know, do you think it's weird? I'm like, yes, it's objectionably weird. Like, I mean, she does have that conversation with her friend and her friend's like, I mean, you're just watching a doll, right? Stick with it. Like, her friend does kind of talk her into it, which she needs better friends, but... But it didn't seem like she needed a lot. Like, I just needed more of an idea. I needed more of her being like... With Malcolm, she was like, you could have warned me. And it mm-hmm. it's just like her level of finding it weird matched the situation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it, I, I totally agree with you. None of them made really stupid, although I would argue going up to the attic was pretty dumb. Yeah, besides that. But, but other without even clothes on, mm-hmm. which I just can't get over because, like, there are so many times in horror or in other movies where people are doing stuff in just a towel. And it's a very odd way to get around yeah like at least pick up a robe yeah uh but i think you're right i think they were all operating under this very odd going into that they picked the oddest way to commit suicide yes <laughs> the but, thing is keep going sorry no i was just gonna say i understand that they were committing suicide i understand that decision there are just so many different ways they could have driven their car Mm -hmm. off a cliff they could i'm not going to keep naming ways to kill yourself but the point (laughs) is they filled their pockets with rocks and walked into the water that is the weirdest way that is so shakespearean Mm -hmm. the thing is actually 
in the Odyssey, that's what Odysseus's mother does when he has, you know, he's been gone for like 15 years. She walks into the ocean. Like, and that's the only, and also there's a really great, uh, well, great in quotation marks adaptation of that where as she's walking into the ocean, Odysseus's wife is just screaming behind her that's burned into my brain. And that's the only thing I can think of when I see someone walking. That's also what happens in The Awakening. She just swims out to sea. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think they really think they're being poetic because it's like a really poetic way to die in literature. But like, no. It, it's not a visual medium because you're just <laughs> watching it and you're like, yeah, that's an odd. I, Those are also some big stones. Very big. I almost feel like they didn't have the budget for anything else. Like, it seems like a budgetary decision where it's like, well, it doesn't cost a lot to have someone walk into the ocean. It would cost nothing to have had them. Well, it wouldn't cost nothing, (laughs) but it would cost next to nothing to have them writing that letter. And then just a shot of their like legs lying in bed and a bottle of pills turned over. Like just something that made, (laughs) it's almost like I wonder if they did it that way because they were hoping their bodies would never be recovered. And then it was like, they just disappeared off the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. Um, Which also makes me wonder if that's why they picked her because in order for this scheme to work, you have to pick someone that people wouldn't notice. That's also something I find comforting about this movie because I'm like, Someone would have noticed if I moved. Like, her whole thing is secretive. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that there's only one person who knows, Mm -hmm. supposedly, and their 10-year-old child. (laughs) So if she stops communicating. Right. um, Also, I think the movie could have just gone a little bit further and been a possession movie. Because then it almost would have made sense when she starts, like, treating the doll like mm-hmm. a person, like then it's like, oh, she's becoming possessed, but they were in the walls, which is an entirely different type of horror. <laughs> Much worse. Um, that's all I have. Do you have anything else? Uh, no, you want to scale it? I would definitely survive this. So 10 is you're just lay down and die. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, because I would see that doll and I would be like, excuse me and I would get my stuff and I would leave yeah one to zero for me mm-hmm. um also because this doll doesn't have a um high death count no just um just males who are competition yeah so so which oh sorry I have to talk about that a little bit did he want her as a wife or a mother both that's, that's just a great note to end this on. <laughs> Tell me a story, Rachie. All right. Well, it's a bummer. So buckle up. I am going to talk about the Andrews family from Pepperell, Massachusetts. So in 1986, Annie and Jesse are two teenage girls living with their father, who is a bus driver. Um. And their mother had recently died. So they decide to conduct a seance to get in touch with her. Don't do it, kids. No, I was wondering, have we ever made a pact that we will never, never get involved in a seance for any reason? It's very on brand for us, but I'm not sure if we had. But let's make that pact right now. Right now. Never going to do it. Mm. Um, 
I've honestly, like, I was, I think I was at, like, Goodwill or somewhere once, and I saw a Ouija board, and I was like, this is bad. Like, you should just burn this. Like, I think we've discussed on this podcast that we're not really even sure if we believe in ghosts, but, like, you don't need to invite that. You, you don't need to invite that energy into your life. That's the official stance of this podcast. We're not sure, <laughs> but do you really want to take the chance? Like, uh-huh. do, do you really want to tempt that? Be that person in the horror movie who ends yep. up being thrown out a window by a ghost after being like, there's no such thing as ghosts. Uh-huh. Don't do it. Don't do Just it. Bad idea. Um, so not too long after this, they start noticing weird things happening in the house. They hear knocking noises on the walls. Sometimes the doorbell rings and there's nobody there. Sometimes lights turn on and off. Uh, sometimes things that start moving, they'll go back into a room and the thing that they left there is no longer there. Um, initially they do think that they have made contact with their mother's ghost. Um, their father does not believe them. He, because, uh, that's how this movie goes. When you have a haunting, there's always that one person who doesn't believe them. Um, But also, he never hears it. He's a single father, and he's a bus driver, so he's working all the time. And these things happen exclusively when he is not at home. And then one day, they hear these sounds coming from the basement. So they go to investigate. And when they get down there, they find a threatening message. What's up? How old are they? Uh, They're teenagers. I'm not positive but teenage Um, not like 11 no like teenage um which i guess i i forgot to mention this up top all this comes from an episode of the series your worst nightmare season two episode one um which kind of bothers me to use as a source because it is done through dramatization so i don't really know where the facts end and where the dramatization begins um so, and what was the year on this? 1986. Amazing. The 80s teenagers, they go down to the basement. Yes. Um, they find a threatening message that on the screen says, I'm in your room, come find me. Again, I don't know how accurate that is because it's never like verified by any of the talking heads in it. Um, so they freak out. They leave. Their dad calls the police. The police find that the message is not written in blood. It's written in ketchup. And I'd almost rather have a threatening message written in blood than ketchup. (laughs) Rachel has strong ketchup feelings. I do. Um, No, never mind. (laughs) I I was going to tell an anecdote, but I've decided against it. Um, But the police come, they find out that it's in ketchup, and they can't find anybody. And then things go quiet for a little while. Then a couple months later, they start hearing those sounds again. And they also find a new message on the wall that says, I'm back, find me. Or maybe it says something else. I don't know. That's what the dramatization had. Um, And they also show a picture of one of the girls. I'm going to say probably Jessica. I don't know. It's, it was a weird shot, and my TV's small. With, it's uh, pinned to the wall with a knife. 
So they get the fuck out of that house because they have good heads on their shoulders. And when their dad comes home, he goes in to investigate. And while he's in the house, he sees that all the TVs are on. And they are just, like, the volume is turned all the way up. And he also sees two glasses of wine sitting on the kitchen table, which is weird. Um, He goes upstairs to, I assume, his bedroom. And there is a teenage boy standing in his bedroom wearing his dead wife's wedding dress, grease paint on his face, holding a hatchet. Does this story ring a bell all of a sudden for you, Meg? Was this on My Favorite Murder? Yeah, it was. Sure was. I remember the stories about people living in walls very explicitly. Um, Guys, I just want to say... I'm fairly nonverbal in my reactions. I always am. And I'm sorry you can't see my face. It's not the medium for it. But I've just basically been shaking my head no and just Mm -hmm. have my jaw literally dropped throughout all of this. I just. Oh, God. I just. And again, this isn't even my fear. Although I will say I think we all have a fear of a teenage boy with a. um... With a hatchet. Hatchet. I was going to say hacksaw for some reason. Hatchet <laughs> just in our rooms. Mm-hmm. Or just fears of teenage boys in general. Um, so the police search the house and they eventually find him in a crawl space. Um, and they find like a crawl space and some other like holes in the walls and they go down to the basement and there's a hole behind the basement, and it looks with evidence that suggests he has been living there for a few months. So let's talk about this. Who is this person? This person is Daniel LaPlante, henceforth known as this motherfucker, potentially mm-hmm. that motherfucker, as the situation calls for. He is 16 or 17. Again, one of the problems with using this source is that they do kind of change timelines and names a little bit to protect people's privacy, but can't find anything else. Um, He lives in the next town over, and he had gotten Annie's number. I earlier said the picture was probably Jessica. It was definitely Annie. Um, He had gotten Annie's number from a friend, And he catfishes her. He says that, you know, he's the captain of the football team, yada, yada, yada. They go on a date. She finds out that he's not who he says he is. And understandably does not go on a second date with him. Mm -hmm. Um, Because why would you? So he gets arrested and he is charged with a number of things. Um, I will list them for you. Armed assault in a dwelling, breaking and entering, malicious injury to a property, and burglary. Um, He's initially sent to a state hospital, but then they send him to a juvenile detention center. Um, And the Andrews family decides to leave town like rational people would do. Oh, yeah. Like... Oh, God, I can't imagine staying in that house. I I feel like they should also tear that house down. No one should ever live in that house again. Leave the house, leave the town, leave the state, just leave. They did leave the the state. They they moved to New Hampshire. Um, 
What's up? So after she turned him down, he was just like, I'm going to live in your walls now. <laughs> I guess. Gosh, this is why it's hard to turn men down. <laughs> you just never know. You never know. And like, how did he initially get in? You how know? did he initially get that idea? <laughs> yeah, that too. I have many questions about how, like, I'm assuming the malicious injury to a property charge was because he put the hole in the wall in the basement. So, like, in the dramatization, they enter the basement from outside. Like, it's one of those where you go outside and go through a door down to the basement. So, like, maybe it was unlocked. I don't know. This is all pure speculation at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you start searching for this, this story is about to get much worse. So, when you search this motherfucker's name, you find out about the much worse stuff. That's what actually has a lot of articles written about it or a few articles written about it. It was in 1986 and 1987. So in a small town. So those articles are not readily available on the internet. Um, they're available behind a paywall. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I don't, know a ton of information about this but that's basically all I know about that um so in October of 1987 the courts decide that they are going to try him as an adult so he is now eligible for bail and his mom posts his bond and a couple weeks later the well no I guess not the, the entire family Priscilla Gustafson and her two children Abigail and William, who are seven and five, are all found dead in their house. Um, The mother has been shot. The children were drowned. The police think it may have been a robbery gone wrong. Um, But they see an open beer on the table and blood on the walls. So they're like, maybe we should pay an unannounced visit to that motherfucker who just got out on bail. And when they get there, he's not there. Um, and they look for him for two days. They eventually find him hiding in a lumber yard about eight miles outside of Pepperell. And they arrest him. He's convicted of three murders, and he's given three consecutive life sentences in prison. And you would think that would be the end of it. But just in case you thought maybe he turned his life around, I found a story wherein he, in 2013, he sued the state of Massachusetts because he claimed he needed some weird objects for this Wiccan ritual he was going to do and they wouldn't give them to him. And when journalists reached out to actual Wiccans, they said, yeah, you don't need those things for this ceremony. Ugh. So just... Just a gross epilogue to a gross story about a gross human. Why was there no more on like why he targeted this family? Um, well, they think it was just a robbery. So they lived close by. Um, like, oh, okay. It was just a nearby house. They think he tried to rob it so that he could go on the run maybe. Um, but they caught him. And so he killed everyone in the house. I kind of thought you were going to say that they went to look for him and couldn't find him because he was in their walls. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I thought that was going to be the conclusion. He was in all the walls. He was in the walls of the police <laughs> station. I mean, they wouldn't check there. That'd be the last place you'd check. 
is. There are um, a lot of stories out there about people living in walls or living in attics without the residents knowing. I chose this one because of his obsession with a girl who turned him down. Um, I thought that had the best parallel. Yes. Um, disturbing. Awful. Worst thing. Um, that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. But, man, what's not a bummer? Corgis. I was going to say dogs. I'm more specific. Yeah. Well, I was going to say my dog. Yeah. But then I thought that was too specific. So I was going to say dogs. No, go with your um, go with your gut. It's just a dog-themed yeah. episode. Corgi. Yeah, my dog is not a bummer. Mm-mm. Huxley's Skype a good dog. This. Huxley's a very good dog. Fun fact, when Rachel got Huxley, I thought her name was Hexley. And I was telling everyone <laughs> that, and they were like, I don't. I don't think that's right. And I was like, yeah, Hexley. <laughs> I'm like, it's it's her favorite. Oh, maybe that's not right. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> but um, so it's not. I, I would like to point out Huxley is not my favorite author. He's the author of my favorite. Yes, book. that's what I was going to say. So, yeah, not yeah. the. I don't want anyone thinking that's my favorite no. author. I haven't read read anything else he's written. Like, do you want to name the book, or we're just gonna play Mister? Oh, Brave New go. World. Uh-huh. We're like just that book, <laughs> and we just end it there. <laughs> guess, guess which one it is. I said I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it for a time. Keep you interested. Keep you pulled in. What is my favorite book? Cool. I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> It's Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. <laughs> um, okay, so next week, everyone, going back to those haunting roots, and we're going to watch The Conjuring. Oh, fuck. Yes, The Conjuring. Okay. The Conjuring. Uh, until next time. I don't know what you're trying to tell me to say. Goodbye. Oh, then what was this? Did you weren't talking. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye.